Well, as we begin uh, today, I got to find my clicker and I got to find my water. Typical man got to have the remote control, right? That's what we got to do at home too. Gloria knows that well. Uh, we're going to share today from the book of Jeremiah. And I wanted to focus, you know, a little bit for sure today on the sanctity of human life. And it is a significant and special Sunday. And I will preface, the sermon's not going to all be about the life topic. We'll have part of that in there. But uh, for us as a congregation, if you're new to our congregation or visiting, uh, the sanctity of human life Sunday is a big deal. Not only on that Sunday, but it's a big deal throughout the year. Uh, we are a congregation that values life and cherishes life, and I use this phrase probably too much, uh, the sanctity of human life from womb to the tomb, to natural death. We value all of human life, and today we focus on the unborn, but our focus is not just on the unborn, but it's on all of human life. So that's where we're at as a congregation have always been very, very strong pro-life. And when people ask me why that is, I said, God is pro-life. <laughs> you know, that, that's why we are. That, that's what God's word would affirm too. So as we think about this today, I started, <clears throat> as I was preparing earlier this week, a uh, text based upon uh, Jeremiah chapter 1, uh, verses 1 through 10. And uh, Bevmont, you are the bravest woman that I know this morning for sure. The text that we sent Bev to read, I didn't have her read verses 1 through 3 because of all those names. And then she got up here, man, she... Boom! She nailed it. Though you did those names perfectly. I'm thinking, she didn't have to read that, but it's great that you did, by the way. So you guys got a little extra credit. Bev Mont gets an A for pronouncing all of those names. It was great. Uh, so we're looking at that text in Jeremiah, and the sermon's titled, Me and Jeremiah, all right? And the text that I'm going to use, I'm going to use probably not quite all the verses 1 through 10. I'm going to focus on a couple verses in particular, and two of those verses that I'm going to focus on are verses 4 and 5. So I'm going to ask us as a congregation, let's look at the screen. We're going to read this text from Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4 and verse 5. We read this now in Jesus' name. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. Lord, thank you for this word. I pray now that you would remove, you know, distractions and all those things that take our focus away. Help us to look to you, O oh God. Help us to look to this word. And may this word teach us that which you would desire us to know. May this word not return void, but accomplish the purposes for which you are now sending us. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Jeremiah. I love uh, this text, and as I was reading it, and I made a confession uh, this week in our e-newsletter I sent out, I was thinking about this, and I don't know if this is true of you, uh, and I probably shouldn't confess it as being true of a pastor, but oftentimes I'll read uh, the Bible, and I love reading the Bible, but have you ever been there, and you're reading the Bible, and you're facing something going on in your life, and you're just thinking to yourself, I wish God would do that for me. You know, like you're at a place of really big decision and, and, and you're, you're wondering, you know, what, what, what to do. And that's something that oftentimes approaches me. I have people come to me and ask what they should do with their life or how they should uh, invest in kingdom work or is God calling them here or, or how should I handle this dysfunctional relationship, all of these things. And, you know, I'm thinking back, 
when I read a text like Solomon or in King, First Kings about Solomon, remember when those two ladies brought, uh, one of the babies died and they came to Solomon and one of the moms wasn't the real mom and she was trying to fake it and take that baby away from the other mom. I remember Solomon was gonna cut the babies in two. Remember that great accounting that the real mom uh, stood up and we figured out who that was. And I think to myself, you know, God, why can't you give me this glimmer of wisdom just like Solomon? You know, you get in those situations or, you know, I've been in those situations and, and you have too where somebody's deathly ill, where they've been struggling with cancer or something for a long time or even a short period of time. And you just think you read about that text in the Gospel of Mark and how Jesus is walking along and this woman who had been bleeding for over a decade, how she just reached out and grabbed onto Jesus' cloak and what happened? She was healed. You think, oh man, God, I wish you would do that for me. And then I realized, and that's kind of wishful thinking because we recognize that that doesn't happen all the time. There's not, God doesn't promise to miraculously heal everybody and all those things. But what I began to be convicted about is that as I was doing this wishful thinking, I began to realize that, you know, God may not replicate all of those events in all of our lives, but God is at work today. And I was reading this text of Jeremiah, and I've always been fond of this text. And what I came to realize in this text of Jeremiah that God at work in Jeremiah's life is also at work in our lives. And the theme I want to build upon today as I was reading this, this was the question I wanted to answer. What did God do for Jeremiah that he also does for me? What did God do for Jeremiah that he also does for me? And I'd like to lay this out in three truths of the way God worked in Jeremiah's life and the way he works in our life as well. Truth number one, the Lord affirms value. Now, a little bit of backdrop uh, on Jeremiah. Jeremiah, uh, sometimes called the weeping prophet, and Jeremiah was a, a man that was called into service, and he served uh, for probably 40 years plus, and his service, much like that of Noah, <laughs> was to a people that refused to hear. And it was a people that had hardened their heart. It was a people that didn't want to be responsive uh, to God's word. And it's interesting because as Jeremiah did that, Jeremiah didn't just give up hope, but rather Jeremiah continued forth. And for 40 years time, Jeremiah faced ridicule, scorn, uh, persecution, all kinds of stuff. Jeremiah faced all of these things and he held through. He, he stuck to it until the very end. So that's one of the things I really enjoy about Jeremiah. Jeremiah ministered to the southern kingdom, uh, again, to a people that did not want to listen, did not want to hear, 40 years time. And I want you to recognize that when we look at this text, when we look uh, at the kings that he cites and all that stuff, do you know how old the vast majority, in fact, all Bible commentators place Jeremiah at when God is speaking to him, when God is calling him into service. Do you know how old Jeremiah is? Now, the text doesn't say. So if you're thinking there was an exact age that, that I missed, you're not. But as we look at the chronology of the kings and such, we would recognize that Jeremiah, when God is speaking to him, when God calls him into service, he is in the late teens, potentially early 20s. And then I thought about how often sometimes our young people come to church and think, well, this is just for a bunch of old people. It doesn't have nothing to do with me. The Bible's about a bunch of old people. It doesn't have nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with you young people. And Jeremiah is a wonderful example of a guy, late teens, maybe early 20s, 
being called of God to serve and to work and to labor. And I believe that there are a number of truths that we can see in Jeremiah's life that apply to ours. Number one is this, the Lord affirms value. Go with me to the text. Go to verse 4 and verse 5. Again, we won't get very far in the text. There's so much here. Notice what it says in verse 4. The word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. All right, we have to start with the word before I formed you. The word formed is a word that means to create. It means to build. It means as in a potter, it means to actually handcraft something. And I want you to see, it says, before I formed you in the womb. God is speaking to Jeremiah and he's reminding him that God formed him in the womb. And notice what he says, before I formed you in the womb, what's he say? He says, I knew you. The word formed again means to literally to handcraft. The word I knew you or know you is a word that's used in the scripture to designate the most intimate of relationships. It's used to describe the marriage or a relationship between husband and wife sexually. The man knew the woman. And we're not talking here just something that's intellectual, but we're talking about being known at the most intimate and deepest level. That's what this word means. And as it applies to God, what it means is that God knows who you are and he has good reason to because guess what? God formed you. (laughs) Now we think of conception as something that occurs between a a man and a woman in sexual intimacy. And yes, that's, that's how it happens. That's the birds and the bees. That's the fact of it. But I want you to recognize that God is active in this conception. That it is God who hand-forms and who, who hand-crafts that individual life. And even before that life is born, God already knows that life. Those two words, formed and new, just, just affirm to us the value and the human dignity of every human life. Do you see that today? And I can say that I'm not just trying to blow smoke. <laughs> You are handcrafted of God. That's that's God's word. That's why this is such an important topic for us. This issue of abortion and life is so important. Because if we believe what God's word says, if we believe Psalm 139, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. If we believe all those things, we want to defend life. We want to defend the unborn. That's what we're to be about. Because God in his word, guess what? God is pro-life. People say, why are you pro-life, pastor? Well, God is. That's why we're pro-life. God affirms life. And I want you to recognize something. Under this point, when we begin to recognize that and we affirm that God formed and God knows, do you know what that does? That gives eternal significance to each and every life because God is eternally involved in those lives. It gives significance. It gives value. It gives inherent dignity and sanctity to all of human life from the moment of conception to the moment of of natural death and that is significant dear friends because what that tells us is that there is no life today that is worthless and there is no life today that is hopeless and I recognize that there are most likely some people that would say otherwise and our, our job is to, to, to assure them and to, to share with them the truth of God's word that your life is not hopeless. Your life is not worthless. And in fact, because God has handcrafted you, you have value and you have dignity. 
And, and for me, it's just amazing to think about this, that there, there was no time in my life that God did not know me. No time in your life that God has not known you. And this gives our lives significance and value and dignity. And that's why we observe the sanctity of human life because God formed you and God knew you. Just as he formed new Jeremiah, that truth applies to us today as well. And what that means then is that we need to always be vigilant, vigilant, I guess, if you would say that, even more so than that. There's a terrible crisis that is going on in this world, and it has been for any number of years. And it's the crisis that I would call abortion. And I know that when we talk about abortion, there's going to be some people that are going to get their uh, hair on their necks going to stand up a little bit. But I want you to hear this out. When we look at last year's data on the number of deaths in the world, worldwide cumulative deaths, we would come with a number a little over 100 million. So last year, approximately 100 million people died, all causes. Do you know how many died from abortion? 44.6%. 44.6 million out of 100 million, which is almost, get this, almost half of all the deaths in this whole world. That includes includes car accidents, cancer, AIDS, suicide. Will you name it? All of those deaths, 100 million deaths, almost half of them are attributed directly to abortion. The killing of a baby in the womb of its mother. And I dare say today that that is a scourge upon our culture and upon our society. And that's why we need to do all that we can do as we work with groups and organizations such as the Alpha Center, such as 40 Days for Life, uh, such as Family Voice. These groups and these organizations that are, about, that are out there defending life, we need to partner with them. And that's why we do so. And we do so because, number one, the Lord affirms value. And that's not only in Jeremiah. It's not only in Psalm 139, but it's all the way through Scripture. The Lord, you see, affirms value. That's truth number one of what God does for me that he also did for Jeremiah. Truth number two, what did God do for Jeremiah that he also does for me? He affirms appointment. He affirms appointment. Now, notice what the text moves on here. We're not going to, like I said, get too far here. I'm going to go to verse 5b. It says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And then notice it says, and before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. All right. First of all, I'm going to say, I know that, that this is speaking directly to Jeremiah, and I am not at all giving the indication that you are going to become a prophet. All right. I don't mean it that way. But again, I'm talking about the general truths here that we would see that they apply not only to Jeremiah, but they apply to us as well. Number one is that word consecrated that the scripture uses. It talks about how God has consecrated you. And, and what that word means, it, it, can, it means literally to, to be made holy, but even beyond that, it means to be set apart. It means to be called out, if you would. So so God, first of all, is saying that I have set you apart. I have made you holy. I have called you out. And in that word, appointment, is a word that literally means to bestow or to give something. And I love it like this. What, What that word is telling me is that God bestows or gives 
a sphere of influence. For Jeremiah, it was to be a prophet. But for us, it may be something completely different. But in each and every time, each and every life, there is an appointment that God makes for each and every individual. And I want us to recognize that, that this, this is that idea of an appointment. God affirms an appointment. Not only does he value your life, not only does he create you, but he creates you for a purpose. He, he affirms in your life an appointment. And we need to see that and know that. Now, this is the where, it gets, where it gets a little dicey, right? What's my appointment, pastor? What's God want me to do? What's God want me to do with my life? And again, that's a whole nother, probably a 10-part sermon series. Let me just answer it in two ways. Number one, in broad stroke, God's appointment, and I can say this without a shadow of a doubt, for each and every individual listening here today, and for each and every individual watching, whatever it is, I can assure you of this, that number one, God's appointment for you is that you would know Jesus. Plain and simple. God's number one appointment for you is that you would know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Now, I'm not going to go into detail on that today. We're going to be doing that as we move ahead in a sermon series. But for, for today's purposes, know this, that your appointment, first of all, is on to salvation. <laughs> Scripture affirms that God desires no man to perish, no woman, no child to perish, but that all would come to eternal life. And what's amazing about this to me is that God has already provided all things necessary for you to come to eternal life. There's nothing you must do but believe. That's the joy. We'll talk again more about this in a future sermon. But I want you to know this, that that's the number one appointment that God would have for us, that we would come to be saved, that you would come to know Jesus as Savior and Lord. And oh, by the way, everything related to salvation has already been accomplished for you in and through Jesus Christ. That's appointment number one. But appointment number two, I believe that for believers in particular, that what God has desired for us is that he has elected in his sovereignty to use you and to use me as the means of grace, if you would, or the means of sharing and proclaiming the gospel to those around us. And we do that through words. We do that through service. We do that through our relationships. And all of those are ways by which we do that. So two appointments primarily, salvation and service. And for me, as I finish up this point, thinking about this idea of appointment, I want you to recognize, and again, I know this is one of those, I don't know, kind of cliche things, I don't, and I don't care for cliches, but I guess when you read the scripture, it's, it's true. God has a plan for your life. You know, and I know that you've probably heard that before in one of those nice little quotes you put on Pinterest or Facebook, but it's, it's true. God has a plan for your life. And that that's, was the word to Jeremiah. In fact, the word to Jeremiah was that, you know, Jeremiah, before you were even conceived in the womb, I already had a plan for you. And there, there's a wonderful comfort that comes to us when we recognize that, that God, God has it figured out. God, God sets us on that course, and God affirms the appointment in all of our lives. So God, number one, affirms value. He did that with Jeremiah. He does that for you and me. God, number two, affirms appointment. He did that for Jeremiah. He does that also for you and me. And then thirdly, I believe God affirms what I would call provision. God affirms provision. And notice what happens in the text. And uh, I love this. And this is so typical uh, of me and, and probably some of you too. Notice uh, what happens as God gets done speaking. Verse 6, Jeremiah enters in and Jeremiah says, Then I said, Alas, Lord God. 
Alas, Lord God, behold, I do not how to know how to speak because I am a youth. All right, a couple things. First of all, look at that word alas or oh, Lord God, whatever translation you would have there. I want you to know that that word is a word of alarm. And it's a word in the scripture that's used when man uh, comes face to face with an angel or comes into the presence of God and there's this word of alarm. There's this interjection of kind of surprise and shock, even if you would like, oh, you know, they know something's going on. But I want you to observe, look at that text. What's the first response that Jeremiah gives to God? He's, he's in God's presence. God is speaking to him, and he's like blown away by this. What's the first thing that he does? <laughs> what does he do? He makes an excuse. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? <laughs> Can I get an amen? Have you ever done that before? <laughs> When you sense God calling you to something, when you would sense God going to use you, and you know what, something, God is used to this, all right? He's dealt with people like Moses and people like Gideon. He's dealt with me. He's dealing with you. So he's used to excuses. But isn't it true that that's what we do? As soon as we sense God using us for something or wanting us to move in a particular direction, oh, how quick we are to recognize all of our frailties, to recognize all the things that I can't do that are impossible. And then, oh, by the way, to recognize all the others that do everything so much better. Why doesn't God use them? Look at how good he is. Why doesn't God use him? Why does God use me? And what we have done, dear friends, is that we have become very gifted at recognizing our own inability and ignoring God's ability. We recognize our inability and do not recognize God's ability. And it's interesting because I think God works most powerfully in our weakness. It is in our inability that God is proven able and God is proven powerful. Now I want you to think about that just, just for a moment. And how did God then meet this excuse that Jeremiah gave. You know, it's interesting because in verse 9, what, what did God do? God literally touched the prophet's mouth and put his word, God's word, in his mouth. And I want us to recognize that what God did, you see, is that God provisioned Jeremiah with his word. And I believe that God provisions us with his word as well that that word is to be the anchor of our ministry, that that word is to be the source of our uh, authority, is to be the source of our comfort, is to be the source of our strength, just as it was in Jeremiah's time. Jeremiah uh, literally ate, if you would, the words of God and found them delightful, and he had to. He had a difficult call. He had a difficult assignment, and this appointment that God gave Jeremiah, it was not easy. And similarly, you may be in an appointment that's not easy. But in the midst of that, God doesn't excuse that away. What's he do? He provides provision. He provides the word of God. He provides encouragement to Jeremiah. And I want you to recognize, I think, a valuable truth that what the Lord commissions, he will what? Provision. What God commissions, he will provision. He, he will prov He's not going to send you out there empty-handed. Now, he will call you to depend upon him. He's not going to allow you to do it of your own accord and in your own strength and all to your own glory. But what God commissions, he will provision. And we need to see that and know that today. 
And we need to depend upon that and to trust in that. And notice the provision that comes to us primarily through the word of God. We must be a people of the word of God. That's how he strengthened Jeremiah. That's how he strengthens his people of all days and of all ages. He uses the word of God. And I pray that the word of God would be at work in your heart and in your life and in all that you would do. And that we would recognize today the truth that the Lord affirms provision. And then I want you to recognize too that Jeremiah was going to have a very difficult call. His appointment was very hard. And I think what's interesting, again, we won't go through the whole book of Jeremiah, of course, but you're going to see many times in Jeremiah's life where his life literally was at risk. And it's interesting because Jeremiah was a man that wouldn't back down. And it was always interesting as I read through this book of all the difficulties Jeremiah faced. And yet he was anchored in God's word. And it's interesting because ultimately and finally, Jeremiah's duty became his way of safety. Jeremiah's duty or his call as a prophet, his appointment as a prophet, became for him his safety net, if you would. It's what, it's what protected him and guided him throughout all of his life. And I think in the same manner, that as we affirm that appointment of God and as we rely upon his provision, through that appointment and through that provision, uh, God indeed protects us and guides us and, and brings us to, to an end that he desires. And that's what happened to Jeremiah, <laughs> And I, and I love that. And we would see God's sovereign hand and sovereign uh, power at work in Jeremiah's life. All right. So let's, let's think about this. Value. God affirmed Jeremiah in, has affirmed a value. The Lord affirms appointment and the Lord affirms provision. And I was thinking about this and thinking about a picture that I had seen. This was a picture that was taken last February. It's a picture of Ellie Weiner. And Ellie Weiner is a young lady that uh, I think spent the first 39 weeks of her life, just like the rest of us, in her mother's womb. At 31 weeks, I did an ultrasound of Ellie Weiner. And what is she doing there? Got the peace sign, right? I know we can all make fun of the peace sign and what it all means, but for me, as I was thinking about this, I thought, this gal's got it figured out, all right? She, she is affirming, you know, the, that, that God values life. She's a, a record of that. <laughs> and, and she's already, I think, God, God's got an appointment for her. I don't know what it all be, but she's got an appointment. And then guess what? God is going to provision that life in that womb, just as he has done for you. And when we would recognize that God affirms life, when we recognize that God affirms appointment, and when we recognize that God also affirms provision, guess what we can do? Peace. Things are good. Things are well. And my prayer today is that we would be a people that apply these truths and know that what God did for Jeremiah, God also does for you. What is true for Jeremiah is true for me. Lord, use this word in all of our lives. I thank you for it, and I praise you for it. And I ask, God, that you would draw us near through your word and through your spirit, and even now through song. And that, Lord, we would bless you and praise you, for we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.